Thank you, Kev. Um, <laughs> oh, it is good. Good to be together. This is really exciting. I, um, our, our plan was to rent a truck because my, my truck is starting to show its age a little bit. And we had a nice F-250 rented and um, it was going to pull our trailer that had 50 people's luggage in it. And kind of last minute, that rental fell through. So I was like, oh, I'll just take my truck. And it, it, it struggled. I, I struggled as Elijah ratted me out. But um, the, the truck struggled. It was overheating to the point that for eight hours, we actually had the heat on to try and draw heat off the engine, had the windows down. Uh, then the transmission was struggling. Suppose, I guess it's uphill between here and Colorado, I guess. Um, but uh, so we journeyed on that uphill trajectory. And um, I w just set my GPS towards Estes Park. And then I was like, let me be smarter and set it to YMCA of the Rockies, which is where we're going more specifically, so I could hone in the exact direction. And I had no idea there are two YMCA of the Rockies. <laughs> New experience. So uh, when I realized we were, I thought we were arriving, and I went to the real YMCA of the Rockies in Estes Park, not the Winter Park one, and it was two and a half hours away. So, uh, so and through higher mountains because there aren't clear roads. And uh, man, the boys in that truck were beyond gracious. Even when we drove past a Jeep that the fire department were putting out because it had caught on fire and burned, and our brakes were starting to smell. Um, but anyway, your kids were safe the whole time. I promise. It was, it was good. Um, uh, but uh, it, yeah, it, one of the things I do feel a burden to say is change lives, change lives. And I have experienced this personally. I've seen it happen. I saw it happen many times this week. If you're feeling FOMO, if you're feeling like, I would love to say what I just heard those students say, I wish I would have said that 20 years ago. I, whatever, whatever your story is, my encouragement, no matter what age we are, is, is throughout Scripture, like when the woman at the well met Jesus, and she was radically changed by Jesus, it changed her community. They drafted her, they followed that wave. They, they didn't just be like, man, I, I wish he'd do that in my life. He did, <laughs> as they saw her and they looked to him. And that would be just my, my encouragement. And one more thing, the reason the guy's in the banana he usually doesn't wear a banana all the time if you're new here. So, uh, yeah, it's not like his, like, don't tell him he's wearing a banana. Um, <laughs> is uh, they had our, the 900 students broken into a yellow group that was called Shock. That was us. Uh, then Surge were blue. And we were doing competitions all week, Shock versus Surge. And so the more yellow we wore, there would be kind of added points and stuff. So the banana got passed around a lot to, like, the most intense kid that could really uh, hype up our group. So anyway, that's the end of my uh, public service announcements. Um, so the scenery at camp was amazing. Seeing majestic mountains was good for the soul. Um, the experience of camp was powerful. The food, surprisingly, was decent. Um, and there was a lot of fun, a lot of silliness, and there was a lot of seriousness. And um, 
the experience of camp was great, but the message at camp was powerful. And what has struck me since coming home, I was, actually wasn't supposed to preach. Jonathan, Phil Green's been prepping all week, and he will preach next week. We just felt, felt like, uh, like that's the message for next week, so please come back. Uh, my dad always says, is the preaching going to be good this week? Are, is somebody else preaching? And so uh, the preaching will be good next week because I'm not preaching. Um, but one of the things is the message at camp is a beautiful, majestic message that is not the message for camp exclusively. It is the message for home. It is the message for this place. And so we will be in the book of Genesis again, walking through that book. I think we're in chapter 21 or something. Um, But this morning, we're going to go through a high level, just the message of camp. What did they hear? Because it's not a camp's exclusive message. It's Jesus's exclusive message for all people at all places at all times, including right here, right now. Um, And so Monday, the first full day, the students started with a quiet time alone with God. We had to train many of them even what what those words meant. Um, We had a morning Bible study, small group time that were called life groups. We had a morning church service type gathering. Then we did a bunch of fun mountain stuff during the day. Then we had an evening small group, life group time. And then we had an evening church service type thing. And then a lot of times we had like an after party worship time that, that they wanted to do. Um, so if you think that kids don't have long attention spans, it has more to do with motivation than attention spans. When we are, when we are captivated by what we are yearning to be captivated by, five hours of singular focus on one day, it doesn't matter what age you are, you, you can be all in about that. And so the main point on that day was God the Father. That was five hours of focus on God the Father with this main point that God is the perfect Father. I mean, while we were discussing this, I was like, I am not the perfect Father. God is the perfect Father. And Luke 15, 31 through 32, was a central verse that day. It says, son, this is Jesus uh, telling a parable. And so in the middle of the story, uh, Jesus says, son, he said to him, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because your brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. So Jesus tells this story. I know that's just like one snippet out of this bigger story that we spent hours teasing. And I would encourage you, Luke 15 would be great to, you could just search that on your phone and hit play and listen to it as you're getting groceries in Ankeny or whatever, um, or just sit down with Luke 15. Jesus is telling the story and Jesus is telling us about the Father, the perfect Father, the first person of the Trinity. So there is one God And there is only one God. If someone's torching you and saying, how many gods are there? One should be your answer. I hope that never happens. But there is only one God and there has ever only been one God. And there will only ever be one God. Now, this is reality. 
That is reality. There is one God, and God is complex. He is a complex God. And I would argue with you, it is fitting for God to be complex. Okay? You might be like, I have a friend that's very complex. Well, we are complex people, but wouldn't you think that the eternal one, the one who has no beginning, if you got in a time machine and said, take me to where God begins, you would never arrive anywhere. The one who has no beginning and no end and made everything and knows every thought you're thinking right now, knows everything about your backstory, knows everything about your future, do you think he'd be more complex than you or less? Do you think it might be a little hard to get your mind around him? And I would argue he needs to be that way. If you were like, oh yeah, you know, just uh, think of the color blue and that's God in all of his entirety. You'd be like, I don't think so. <laughs> I think he should be more complicated than my phone. And I don't understand how my phone works. So if somehow it's like a stumbling block that God is actually more complicated than my phone, and I don't know how my phone fully works, that I think our idea of God needs to expand. He should be complex, not confusing. He is clear in his communication. Any of us can have our eyes open and our minds open to everything he has communicated to us in his word. And what he has shared with us is that our God, our one God, is Trinity, a tri-unity. One God, three persons. Not three gods, one God, three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. So the Son here in Luke 15 is telling us about the Father and what he is like. And he tells a story about a dad who has two sons. The younger son goes up to his dad and says, my inheritance, I want it now. Basically saying, like, I'm tired of waiting for you to die. And can you just give me all the money right now because I have things I want to spend it on? And the dad says, okay. Just think about what you'd have to liquidate to do that. Think about the cost that would take to you personally, to your business or whatever it may be. So he does it. And the son takes all the money and, to no one's surprise, squanders it, loses it way more quickly than it took the dad to acquire it over a lifetime. And the son, by all definitions, is lost. Lost probably the way that he was raised. The son is lost. The money is gone. And the lost son comes back. Man, like, do you feel a little, like, anger? You might not, but I think if we really like inserted our stuff ourselves into that story, it would be like, man, it's time to just show him. He he should feel shame, and we should he very very least he should be cut off. How dare you come back here to your living? Like how dare you approach? You don't you don't even deserve to show your face around here. And man. So I've been crying a lot this week. Sorry, it's kind of right below the surface. So um, God does that. I haven't cried much in like 44 years, and I've cried a lot in the last year. And I just love the fact that the Father, the God, the perfect Father, was waiting for him. 
to return. I think even had a plan for his return. And instead of the father giving him what he deserves, the father makes himself look foolish and takes off running. Um, like, my dad is in good shape, but I haven't seen my dad run for quite some time. <laughs> yeah, if I see you running, I will run too. <laughs> He's running, oh my gosh, what is happening? We should all run, my dad is running. Um, and, but he runs towards the son, embraces him, throws a party in his honor, lavishly spends money, wealth, to celebrate the lost son who has returned. And his older brother is furious. And his older brother can't believe what's being wasted. Oh, so much has already been wasted on this son. And we're wasting more on him. And the, and the son is in the father's house. And the father is calling all of his friends to come and party and celebrate that his lost son is returned, and the older brother refuses to even go into the father's house. So he refuses to even see his brother, and he refuses to celebrate with his dad. And now, we talked a ton on that day about a lot about this. Their incredible Tim Keller, um, who is now in the presence of the father, um, wrote a great book called Prodigal God that teases out just this one story. You can actually read an entire book on this one story that Jesus tells in just a handful of verses. Um, Jesus, though, is highlighting the father's heart towards his kids. And one big takeaway is because God is my perfect father, there is nothing I can do to disqualify me from his love. I mean, like, truly, if you believe that, and that that is your heartbeat, and that is what you go to bed realizing, and what you wake up realizing, I mean, you can live on that. Because God is my perfect father, there is nothing I can do to disqualify me from his love. So often we're like, I've done so much. I'm, like, like, you guys would just be like, I'm, I've just done too much. And, you know, and I think like, we just do stuff to withdraw ourselves from him. And what is being like, shown to us is like, his, you cannot do anything to disqualify his love towards us. Like if the lost son was just like, I know my dad hates me. I know he, I know when I see him, he's going to give me what I'm due. And he's going to make me suffer for what I did to him. And that, I mean, that's the, that's the way most of the world works. And that's not how God the Father works. I had an incredible small group that was made up of Lane Oswald, Trenton Weldon, Brecken Fisher, Aaron Green, Malcolm Turnstra, incredible young men of God. And uh, we talked that day about a lot of stuff. One of the things that we talked about 
I was really struggling going there. I, I don't know. It's, it was kind of uncharacteristic of me. But we, we made it to Omaha Sunday night. Monday morning, we were going to wake up really early and just hit the road. And I'm like, a, if I'm going to go on a road trip, I'm driving away at 4 a.m. I'm like, let's do this thing. I'm an early riser, all this stuff. So I'm ready to go, ready to get in the truck. We're going to, you know, I'm going to be the first one there. That's what I was thinking. There's a lot of things I didn't know were going to happen. Um, and I go into the truck, and I go to reach my keys, and they aren't there. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I have zero memory of where my keys are. And I'm like, okay, I always put them in this part of my bag if they're not there. And I open that. It, they weren't there. I'm like, okay, we're, we're okay. I put, and like cars are starting to drive away from like our, our big group of vehicles, our caravan. And um, your kids were totally fine. They were safe the whole time in my, in my well experienced driving hands. Um, but I look again, and there are no keys. And I'm just starting to get, and Christy comes up to me and had a question for me. And she could tell, I was like, she was like, I'll wait till you find your keys before. I don't think I'm going to have your attention, you know. But I was looking, looking, looking. Cars are leaving. And I'm just thinking to myself, we're going to tear this place. I was like, I know they're here somewhere because we haven't left the property. But they could be in a hundred places that somehow they fell in my pocket or whatever. Um, and what I realized was like, I could, like, I, my life, it felt like it was a long time. For maybe for three or four minutes, my life had become finding my key. Just this little, little key, this little Ford F-150 key, like, that had become, like, nothing else was going to happen. Like, people were like, can we go to McDonald's and stuff? And I was like, guys, no talking. I am focused on finding this key. And then when I found it, which I realized oh, there was this like, I have like a new luggage thing and there was this really neat pocket inside the luggage. And I remember thinking to myself, I will put my keys in there. That's the perfect place. And there's no way I can lose them. Zipped up in there. And I forgot that I put them in there. Um, I'm sure none of that has ever happened to any of you before. Um, but the first thing I did when I had the key was, I found the key! You know, like even people who didn't know that like I was even looking for the key or like you are weird and you haven't even had coffee yet which is probably why you're really weird um, but I was like I have found the key and I wasn't like key like how dare you not be in my presence you know we even talked in the truck about like hey we should really give the key a talking and stuff and it's, it's not a perfect illustration of how we are with God but I think where it does reflect God's heart is he is I, I was singularly focused because I'm a very limited man and I can't think about a lot of things at the same time, especially when losing keys are involved in that moment. God is not singularly focused in the way that he can only, he's not limited like I am, but he is more focused on you than I was on that key. And that is true. That is God's truth. And not just like the room, like you. He is singularly focused on you more than I was focused on that key because he is a perfect father. And that's what a perfect father is like. And if you're like, I've never experienced that in my earthly dad, that is correct. No one ever will. Now you can say, I've experienced just a sliver of that in my earthly dad, but None of us are the perfect father. 
He is such a perfect father, he's known as the father. The next day, uh, the students did their quiet time alone with God, our morning small group Bible study time, the morning church service uh, type gathering, the evening thing, the, the same kind of rhythm, but the focus this time was on Jesus is our Savior. God is the perfect Father. Jesus is our Savior. Romans 5.8 was the central verse for that day. God proves his own love for us. Say, the Father proves his own love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So the extent of the perfect Father's love for us is sending the second person of the Trinity who volunteered. Jesus, just as the lost son was treated uh, far graciously than he deserved, all of us, all of us have been treated far more graciously than we deserve. We are each loved. God loves you. He really does. He really loves you. And he proves it. You know, I could, I could look at Kayla and be like, Kaylin, prove to me that TJ loves his kids. She said, well, I could tell you some stories. The father proves his love to us while we were still sinners. Before we had a chance to clean ourselves up, before we had a chance to impress God, which seriously, he is the only one that's actually impressive and impresses us. While we were still sinners, Jesus the Christ, the one that hundreds of prophecies were about, Jesus died for you, proving the Father's love for you. He jumped on the grenade of hell for you. One big takeaway from that is there's nothing I can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift from God through Jesus. Amen. It's worth saying, amen means it is true. So let it be. Appropriate amen. There's nothing I can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift from God through Jesus. What we do is we receive this gift in faith. We repent of trying to be our own saviors. We repent of our sin. We repent of our calloused hearts not caring about this. And we receive the Father's love that he is seeking to prove to us. We apply Christ's death for us. There's nothing that can be done at camp to earn salvation. It is a free gift from God through Jesus. And at camp, the gift only needs to be received. Thankfully, and that is true here too. <laughs> this morning, there's nothing that you can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift from God through Jesus to receive in faith. Coming to Jesus, the Father's love is proven to you. By the end of that day, three students had received that gift of eternal life. Um, yeah. And... Two, two more would join them in subsequent days. And if you're here today, like if you're feeling the life-changing power of the Father's love towards you, the Savior's offer to you, would you receive the gift of eternal life today? Change lives, change lives. Would you receive the gift of eternal life today? Receive Jesus as your Savior 
and I am here as personal experience, that there's no depth that you have ever gone to. There's no depth that you've, depth of sin, depth of darkness, there's no depth that you've ever gone to where his love and Jesus' sacrifice is not deeper still. I have a, a buddy of mine that um, tells his kids, hey, you guys can truly tell me anything. Like, if you're doing something and you, you, know, you think you're hiding it from me or whatever, he's like, you can truly tell me anything so that I can come alongside you, pray for you, walk with you. He's like, I guarantee you, you will never out me. He said, I've had a 30-year head start and you will never out me, so don't approach me as if, I, he's like, what I am doing is receiving the gift of eternal life. Jesus has paid for my sins, and, um, and, and we can do that together. Uh, the following day, uh, there was all sorts of fun stuff that's happening, but this fourth day, the focus was on the Holy Spirit is our counselor. Father, perfect Father, Jesus is our Savior, the Holy Spirit is our counselor. John 14, 6 was a central verse for us that day. Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the Spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. So the son Jesus prays in John 14. He's praying to the father. He's asking the father to send the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, to send the counselor, not to come for a counseling session that you're going to be way overcharged for, might make a difference in your life. Like, it's not that type of counseling, and counseling's worth it. It's worth paying for it. Don't hear me say that. But what is happening here is that we truly have the counselor sent to be with each of us individually forever. He is the spirit of truth. And man, we live in a world where the concept of truth is laughable. It feels like the concept of truth is a joke, a laughable joke. And I am, I, I'm the court jester standing up here telling you that there's truth. That's our cultural moment we live in. Can we know what is true? How can we know what is true? We are given a counselor to be with us forever. The third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is the spirit of truth the wind of truth, the air of truth. We could breathe in the air of truth so we can know what is true. He says the world can't receive this, but you can. Jesus as your savior means that the spirit of truth is your counselor and he will remain with you, he will be in you. And our big takeaway, the Holy Spirit is a gift to me who empowers me to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit is a gift to me who empowers me to do the will of God. The Holy Spirit was gifted to us at camp, and I saw many people empowered to do the will of God. 
I saw uh, multiple people say, this giant weight has been lifted off of me that I didn't even know was on me. That's the power of God working to do the will of God, freeing us. And the Holy Spirit is a gift to us in this sanctuary this morning, empowering us to do the will of God. Those who are being baptized, would you mind coming up here as we get ready to wrap? We're going to have, we have an exciting um, stuff coming up. These are, uh, these are people who have given their lives to Jesus in recent days, who want to share it with the world um, as they are being changed, that we all may be changed. Um, God is the perfect father, and because God is our perfect father, there is nothing we can do to disqualify us from his love. Jesus is our savior. There is nothing we can do to earn salvation. It is a free gift from God through Jesus. The Holy Spirit is our counselor. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us, empowers us to do the will of God. And uh, I would just say, that's where these students are at. Um, and I would just say, where, where are you at? Where, where are you at with this? And man, to see 900 students from around the country all in, soaking it up, rejoicing, confessing, worshiping. I mean, like, just to let you know, and I'm, I don't, it, it's, it's fun. Like for VBS, Kaylin asked me, like, Tim, what do we have to do to like get you kind of like more, less serious maybe or whatever? And I was like, what? She's like, you know, it's like, hey, you're gonna have to be like fun with the kids, you know? And I was like, I think I can get there, you know? Uh, I like adult things, you know, I like talking to adults, but, uh, but like this concept, like what I just said, literally we were like, yeah, let's go, let's go, let's go, you know, because we were like realizing like this is true and it is life changing and I should be more excited about this than I am about any sporting event or all sorts of other stuff. And to see 900 students doing that, not just because it's like, well, that's what we were jumping up and down. We just do that because we have a lot of energy. It's like, no, we're doing this worshipfully and to be like, and we're not, we're not kidding. Um, like these in our midst have recently received the gift of eternal life of Jesus, the father's love proven to them, the spirit of truth with them. And they're getting baptized this morning, and we'll, and we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, outside. Um, but let's let their receiving um, be your receiving. Their receiving of Jesus be your receiving of Jesus. And let me grab this mic real quick. Sorry. So one of the things that we do here, uh, so is that okay? can we maybe first of all just thank God, maybe through applause? Okay. It's worth it. Appropriate that moment. And then, can we thank God for these five students? Yeah. It's amazing. Uh, what, what we're going to do is just have each of them share their story uh, briefly, and I'll hold the mic. So if you see me pulling away, uh, be like, we'll tell the longer story later. Um, but uh, God has done great things in their lives, and what we're going to do is have each of them share a story. We'll pray for them. We'll send them to go and get changed, um, 
then we will worship God for what we've just heard and what he's doing in our lives. And then I'll encourage us all then to, to get our kids right after that. Um, a lot of times we just hang out here and chat for quite some time, but today we want everybody to see um, them be baptized. So if from there you grab the kids, and then we'll just meet right outside uh, where, the, where the horse trough is. So it's going to be great. But uh, Jaden, would you mind sharing what Jesus has been doing in your life? Okay, so when I was younger, I used to go to Sunday school with my siblings. I really didn't understand much, but I knew Jesus died on the cross for our sins. I knew of Jesus, but I didn't actually know him. I always wanted to go to church and come to know the Lord when I was younger, but nobody in my family really went to church besides on special occasions. My, bar- my grandparents would go every once in a while, so when they would go, I would go with them. I love spending my Sunday mornings worshiping and learning about the Lord. Around May last year, my grandparents and I started going every Sunday. In July last year is when my parents told me they were getting a divorce. At first, I really didn't know how to react, and I didn't believe it was happening. This was definitely the hardest part of my life. I was heartbroken, scared, and lost. The hardest part, though, was being the oldest sibling. Being in the middle of the situation and holding it together around my siblings was very hard for me, for me mentally. I didn't know it was possible to hurt that much. Sometimes when I tried to talk to other people, the right words to explain my feelings couldn't come out. Or I would just hold it all together inside and put a smile on my face. I was very lost. One day, I was sitting in my room on my bed crying, and I decided to pray. I asked God to help me for guidance for the situation I was in. That was the day I realized I needed Jesus. Sitting on my bed, I asked Jesus to take me in and save me. I felt a weight lifted off my shoulders. Jesus has helped me become a much stronger girl, and he really saved me. About a week later, my mom told me about the Well Summer Kickoff Party, and I always wanted to be a part of a youth group, so I was super excited to go. There were many other people that also invited me to go. When I was there, I was super nervous. The first person that greeted me was Christy. She asked me all about my life and school, and I felt so relieved that I had someone to talk to. I fell in love with Christy and youth group. (laughs) The next week, I came back to youth group, and one of my small group leaders was Kaylin. I remember when we were saying our prayer requests and I was crying, saying the situation I was in. Kaylin talked to me and prayed with me afterwards. <laughs> she talked to me about how her parents were also divorced and how she could relate to me in my situation. I'm so grateful for that, and I'm very thankful for Christy and Kaylin for being such amazing leaders, and they helped me come to know the Lord. I can, see, I can definitely see Jesus through them. My relationships, forgiveness, and happiness have gotten so much stronger since Jesus saved me. I'm so grateful for everyone I know that has helped me grow in my faith, and I can't wait to continue to grow in my faith and my relationship with Christ. I strive to be more like Jesus every day. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. All right, Nyla. I've known about Jesus from a young age, but it wasn't until recently I decided to follow him. Before following Jesus, I did things for me, not God. Coming to church with my family has brought me closer to Jesus. It was during our church camp trip last week I decided to live my life for Jesus. I will continue to walk with Jesus and get closer to him each and each day. Um, and the verse I chose was Psalms 119, verse 105. Your word, is, your word is a lamp into my feet and a light from my path. All right, Isaiah. Before I became a Christian, I grew up in a godly family. I first started learning about Jesus when my parents read Bible stories when we worshiped as a family. 
I also learned about Jesus in church and when I read my Bible at home. I know I am a simmer because Adam and Eve were simmers. And the Bible says that we all became sinners because of them. I also know that I'm a simmer because of sin in my life, especially when I disobeyed my parents by watching shows on screens when, I'm, when I knew it was wrong. They told me not to watch them, but I would hide and, and watch it in secret. Then I would lie about it. I also unkind. I was also unkind to my sisters sometimes and got mad at them. I am not sure but when I became Christian. A few years ago, I remember being afraid of lots of things, and I knew that I needed Jesus to protect me and save me. So I prayed to the Jesus, to Jesus, and said, "I believe in you. You are the King, and you and can save anyone. Jesus, my Lord and my and Savior." Romans six twenty three says. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. Though I didn't, don't remember the time I knew, know that I am a sinner, and the plenty, and the plenty, or the penalty for my sin is death. I am not perfect. I can't have been right with God myself, but I knew, know that Jesus lived a perfect life for me. Then He died the death I deserve for my sin. So I. So if I repent from my sin and believe in Jesus as my king, my king and Savior, I will be saved and can know God. Now Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I want him to have control of all my life. I am less afraid because he took my fear away. He also helps me love my sisters better. When I disobey my parents, God forgives me and say I'm sorry. And he is helping me to obey my parents more. I am being baptized today because I want to obey Jesus, and I want to show people that I am a child of God. All right, Devin. Um, I grew up in a decent kind of Christian house. My parents got divorced, um, and it was very rough. I grew up in a very um, not safe home. When I met Suzanne, um, she changed my life forever. And it's very hurtful that my mom is a very abusive kind of person. And my, um, when I first met Nyla, she brought me into a church. And I was very thankful for her. And I got my um, God saved, my, saved me um, this week at church. And I'm so glad I met everyone. And um, I was praying to God to let me come into my father's home. And I got welcomed to his house, and I got saved. I'm so happy for that. And um, I can't wait until my um, steps come farther into God. All right, Lydia. Hi, my name is Lydia. When I was six, I came to know Jesus as my Savior. Before I knew Jesus, I was a sinner that and deserved to go to hell. But one day at school, I remembered that my parents taught me the Bible says we are all sinners that deserve to go to hell and that there is only one way to be saved, that if you believe with your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That is how I came to know Jesus as my Savior. Jesus lived a perfect life and died on the cross to pay for my sins. Something that has changed about me since I got saved is I am quick to confess my sins to the Lord 
and I enjoy reading my Bible. I also want to obey his commands, that, and that is why I want to be baptized and tell others I am a follower of Christ. Oh, so good. So good. Um, yeah, if the worship team want to come up, um, I'm going to pray for them, and then we're going to send you guys to go get changed, and then we are going to join you outside to be baptized. And um, what, what a glorious day. Uh, we have much to be grateful for. So, Lord, we do thank you for saving these students. God, we, we know that uh, multi-generational things can happen in, in, in all directions, um, that maybe there are parents or grandparents in here that are, that are feeling your presence, and, and now is the day of salvation for them. Um, maybe there'll be grandkids one day who uh, are, are led to Jesus by, by these students, um, and they become matriarchs and patriarchs of, of the faith. Um, God, when you do one thing, you're doing a thousand things, and we just thank you in advance for all you are doing, all you have done, and all you will do through these students. And we thank you. May all honor and praise go to you. You are worthy of it all. Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen.